you beast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Weird Thing About That, where me and my fellow players are given a subject matter and have to find the weirdest, coolest or funniest story on that subject. Players' stories will be scored by a head judge and the winner will be revealed at the end of the episode. I'm Chris and joining me today, I've been birthed one too many cross-eyed babies, Chucky. Yo. And having yeeted one too many cross-eyed babies off a waterfall, Joe. Hello. And we are once again joined by a very special guest judge, it's Randall Parker. Good evening to you all. Thanks for joining us again, Randall. No problem at all. It's a pleasure. Besides, Randall, we just fuck all on telly. <laughs> Randall, if we can please have today's subject and how it will be scored, please. Okay. Uh, today's subject is inventions, and you will be marked on the Alan Foster scale. Now, Alan Foster invented a machine what shags you, and it does, <laughs> it, and it does you both front and back, so, you oh, know, no. a variety. <laughs> And then it deposits some yeah. change for a taxi home. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, a, he's a bit of a local celebrity around here. He comes from Block Switch. So, you know. <laughs> and who's going first? Um, we will go with Joe, please. Okay. One of my favourite things to do on a Friday evening is open up a bottle of wine and turn over to the home shopping channels. Yes, I know. My life is rich and varied. You don't need to write in. But seeing some of the absolute batshit insane products they sell fills me with a strange kind of hope. From the Quadrapan, which is a single pan with four sections in it that you can cook things separately, but also at the same time and I guess at the same temperature, to the Ninja Foodie all-day pressure cooker advertised by that lass who didn't win Bake Off, these things seem to answer questions that nobody asked. A bit like Richard Blackwood in that respect. But for the ultimate product we don't need, I must take you all the way in the way, way back machine to a crisp Paris morning in February 1912. We are here, of course, to watch renowned tailor and moustache enthusiast Franz Reichelt and his new invention, the parachute suit. Now, the first successful parachute jump was done in 1797 from, yes, you guessed it, a hot air balloon. We can't get away from them on this show. <laughs> and since that day, the design has remained fairly consistent with extra vents and such forth being aid- added to aid with stability. But otherwise, it is what you and I would know as a parachute. Franz, on the other hand, was like, ain't no way that that is the best design, and set about designing a suit that would also double up as a way to slow down gravity's lethal grasp on our soft, fleshy bodies. This morning, however, old Franz had received permission to conduct a test from the first platform of the Eiffel Tower. A big day for our man. Arriving wearing his suit, he met with friends and journalists who described it as sort of a cloak fitted with a vast hood of silk. He ascended with assistants and test dummies to commence his testing. But old flying Franz had no such intentions of using dummies. Such was the confidence of the man. It's quite admirable, really. I've never had that level of confidence with anything I've ever done. I want to try the experiment myself and without trickery, as I intend to prove the worth of my invention, he was quoted as saying, as his colleagues tried to talk him out of it, citing the zero-degree weather and a stiff wind blowing across the champ de mar At 8.22, observed by a crowd of about 30 journalists, two cinematographers and a small crowd of bemused onlookers, Franz stood atop the guardrail some 57 metres, or 187 feet off the ground, which is about the height of Niagara Falls, the Leaning Tower of Pizza, or the length of about seven double-decker buses. He waited there about 40 seconds, turned and said, Abianto, and leapt off. 
His parachute, which had seemed to only half open, folded around him almost immediately, and he fell for a few seconds before striking the frozen ground at the foot of the tower. It was reported his right leg and arm were crushed, his skull and spine broken, and he was bleeding from his mouth, nose, ears, and arsehole. He was dead at the scene, but was rushed to hospital, where he was officially pronounced dead. The weird thing about this is that the idea that he had was later turned into those wingsuits that skydivers used to traverse great distances in the sky. If only he had chucked a mannequin off there instead of his frail, thickly moustached body, he could have been credited as a great inventor, as opposed to a macabre but fun footnote of history. Gentlemen, your rebuttals. Oh, mate, you don't have to take him to the hospital to uh, pronounce him dead, do you? You could call it straight away. When all the blood has left his body. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Which um, half should we take? This The half that's over there or this half? The ground was frozen and he left, I, I believe it was a 15 centimetre dent in it. Wow, just like the cartoons. Yeah, I've, literally. <laughs> if you go on YouTube, it is on there. Yes. I've seen it. What, it's, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many, Wait, I've seen it many times. Nineteen twelve. 1912. It's, it's grainy black and white footage. It's not like in fucking CinemaScope or anything, but uh, yeah, it's it's there. I mean, there's... there's, there's um. Does he do the thing like in cartoons? He steps off and then looks down, looks up. Holds up a sign saying, oh <laughs> Holds no. up a sign. Yeah. Well, it would be in French, so it'd be like, oh no. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> what's, not, what's not to love about it is a Frenchman jumping off a thing and landing and splatting. <laughs> fucking marvellous. Uh, he, he was Swiss. Everything actually, you could but, want. Um, well, yeah, yeah. It's, Same it's, fucking difference. <laughs> um, after this, the French authorities banned testing from the Eiffel Tower for a while. <laughs> Just a while. Just a while. Um, well, like there's a there's in a view to a, is it a view to a kill? Yeah, a view to a kill. Yeah. There's a there's a, a good skydive off that, and also they did a, like a charity one as well. But yeah, for, for just random because he's he's just a random dude. He's a tailor and mustache enthusiast. He had a big old mustache, which I thought would have helped like fall him. Like, it would have acted as like a little parasol or something. Like he could use it to steer. But um, no, he's straight into the ground. Yeah. Um, it oh, is there. Yeah. I, I mean, if you want to go and watch it, you don't see now. It's just yeah. uh, it's just a man wrapped in a blanket falling to his death, basically. And not bouncing. No. Well, you don't. <laughs> you don't. You hit the ground. You literally a sack of wet meat. Yeah. I think he probably just tried to grab onto the ground because it's the second bounce that he sort of killed him. <laughs> so. If he'd have just jumped at the last second, he'd have been fine. <laughs> I remember where I read this, and please don't test it out. But I've heard cats can't die from fall damage. They up to a certain height. That's a no, long. like even at like terminal terminal velocity, they no, they it's um it's up to I think up to five floors. They're all right, and then between five and eight, that's like the the death zone. And then above that, they like go little gliding sugar gliders. Uh, oh, so there's kind of like a valley in the graph where... How horses only breathe through their nose because they tested it by jamming marshmallows up there. A similar thing must have happened. They got into a tall building and were just launching cats out the window. How's it doing? Yeah, it's fine. Right, next floor. Bring it back up. There's one cat. Just, go, Fuck, you know. <laughs> just the same cat. <laughs> just the same cat. It tried running off after the first one, but they're like, no, I've got a big net. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Um, should we have Chris's story now? Some inventors save countless lives, such as those responsible for advances in modern medicine, and some inventors end up making things so useful and inspiring that they go on to change the modern world, such as the motor car. And of course, some inventions are completely useless, such as shoe umbrellas. But in rare occurrences, such as in this next story, an inventor comes along that saves many lives and goes on to have a massive global and goes on to have massive global ramifications. 
A fair few people will already be familiar with the work of Alan Turing, especially with the film The Imitation Game coming out a few years ago. But as the subject was inventions, I feel it's too much of a noteworthy story to pass up. Alan Turing was born in 1912 in London, grew up to study at both Cambridge and Princeton universities. He also worked part-time at the British government's code-breaking and cipher division, just at the time that the World War II kicked off, which turned out to be very much right place at the right time for the Allied forces. You see, during the war, Germany were using what was called an Enigma machine, which would code a message before it was sent and then decode it again at the other side, meaning that any intercepted German messages were indecipherable to Allied forces. These ranged from top-level signals such as detailed situation reports prepared by generals at the battlefronts and orders signed by Hitler himself, down to the important miniature of war-like weather reports and inventories of the contents of supply ships. Turing pitted machine against machine and using the knowledge that every morning the first message sent would begin with the words today's weather report and sign off with Heil Hitler, he was able to develop a machine filled with spinning dials and cogs to completely decode the messages. The prototype model of his anti-enigma machine named Victory was installed in the spring of 1940. His machines turned his workplace of Bletchley Park into a code-breaking factory. As early as 1943, Turing's machines were cracking a staggering total of 84,000 Enigma messages each month, two messages every minute. Turing personally broke the form of Enigma that was used by the U-boat spraying on the North Atlantic merchant convoys, and it also allowed things like the D-Day landings to happen years earlier. So, this inventor saved countless lives and helped to end the war earlier. Pretty useful. But then how did he go on to change the world? Well, in 1936, he started work on a small invention that you may or may not have heard of, the computer. After the war, Turing continued to develop his ideas about computer science. His work led to the construction of the first true computers and he became known as the father of modern computer science. You would think such an illustrious career would have ended in glory, but shamefully, homosexuality was illegal in the UK during his lifetime, and rather than the heroic reverence he deserved, he was chemically castrated by law and ended up committing suicide in 1954. Gentlemen, your rebuttals. That's not a fun ending, is it, Chris? There is, no, but unfortunately that's how okay. it ended for him. But. Did you know, right, on his bedside table was an apple with a bite out of it, and that is why apple has the bite out of it. Oh, I'm sorry, Randall, but that's wrong. Uh, I'll, I'll fart you for it. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason fight, the, fight, the apple fight. has uh, a bite out of it for the apple logo is just so you can tell the scale, so you're not confused to think, oh, maybe it's a cherry. Nah. <laughs> I prefer Randall's. Randall's is better. It's better. Yeah. No, sure, sure. Yeah, it's about right. how that guy so, called himself. Here we go. Edit that response right. out. Do you, want, do you want Chucky's score now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you shit your pants once again, <laughs> Love you, Randall. <laughs> I mean, the, the Enigma machine itself is, a, is, is uh, like, to, to crack that is is baffling to me because it's, it's a series of dials and wheels that can be altered. Yeah, the Enigma machine itself was kind of like typewriter size and you would press yeah. a key and it would go through the sausage machine and come out as a completely different character. The but then they put, it, they put it through the same sausage machine at the other end and it would de yeah. decode it and you'd hit the right, the right character. Was, Big Ken was telling me about it, right? And what it was was you had a number that you put in, right? And that was the first thing you sent through with a number like one, two, three, four, eight, or something like that. And each time, if you pressed the letter A, it would then change it again. So if you've got one, two, three, four, six, it would then change. If you press the letter D, it would change it, if make it different if you'd have pressed the letter F. And so it all totally fucked it up. And that's what the real trouble was, apparently. But it was the fact that they ended every everything Every... with Heil Hitler. It was the the Nazis' arrogance 
that was there yeah. under, well was there and under. and also the found the fact they found a code book as well which told them what the numbers were so they could work out and you know all those americans that got one off that submarine in that film they were fucking scottish i know they were but in that film they were all sexy scottish uh, sexy american men like the, the only fucking good thing about that film is john bon jovi's head blows up <laughs> Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, uh, what was it called? I think it was called the submarine that couldn't solve clues. Yeah, yeah it's like the biggest pile of bollocks in the Second World War. I think it was called. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the things though, once they'd cracked it, it couldn't just be immediately obvious about it. They couldn't just immediately like hit every single little ship that was out there because they knew its position. Because they would say, "Oh, hang on, they've cracked." We've how... been compromised. Yeah, we've been compromised, and it would be really easy for them just to change the code on their machines and render the anti machine useless and had to be whole reinvented again so they had to be really oh, real name victory it sounds like an apprentice fucking team that doesn't it hi we're <laughs> team victory and we're looking for a, a fucking belfast sink yeah so they had to like really be picky and choosy about what was important enough to to, to go, go after and then pretend that they found out about it some other way yeah well wasn't Market. this part of the uh what was it called operation <sighs> no where they they threw like a tramp with a load of documents into the English Channel. Like, he was dead, obviously. They didn't, like, swim, swim. Um, yeah, and that was, like, because that, that was... Was he a Swiss inventor? <laughs> yeah, they threw him off the white cliffs. Go on, you're that confident in your cloak now, son. Uh, throw him off the Eiffel Tower holding a load of documents, and then... Oh, there's a film coming out about it. I'm sure there is. Oh, yeah, I've heard about this as well, yeah. been out. I can't remember, because... yeah. I think this was part of that because this was led to the D-Day landings and then they were they, they fed false information and then they decoded it using the Enigma machine so that they were moving all their resources away from where they were landing. Right. Okay. So it was a nice bit of like, we yeah, know what you're bluff, doing, but we of. don't know what you're doing sort of thing. Yeah, the left hand yeah. doesn't know what the right hand's doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lovely man as well, Alan Turing. Uh, apparently, when they drained the lake at Bletchley Park, they uh, found a lot of cups in the bottom of the lake because he would drink his tea out of it and then launch the cup into the lake every time, every day. And I thought, that's just wasteful, isn't it? What a fucking twat. <laughs> yeah, I was like, someone's having, it's, there's a war on. <laughs> 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 yeah, that, that, that's the deciding factor there, isn't it? I don't think they use a lot of porcelain during, for the war effort, but, you know. Yeah, made shit bullets, they did porcelain. It's, not, it's bad for the environment. <laughs> right, so should we have Chucky's losing story? <laughs> <laughs> I feel good about this, guys. <laughs> All right. It's often incorrectly stated that in 1899, Charles H. Jewell, an American patent office worker, said everything that could be invented has been invented. Though it turns out he never said such a thing. Shocker. If you think about the sentiment behind such a statement, definitely whilst watching someone advertise a shake weight, you might find yourself feeling sympathetic to the guy. You know, even though he never said something so daft. Television channels like QVC are a breeding ground for inventions and ideas no one ever needed or wanted, with such amazing clangers like the pillow for your boobs or moobs, a facial flex mouth exerciser, and who could forget the classic Hydra Spa hand massager, which was a little device you could fit a single hand into to make it mildly moist whilst having a cold unfeeling robot massage your palm. Nice. It truly seems that the mother of invention has taken a long holiday when you spend a little more time than you should looking into all these crazy products companies like UVC have released. The crux of all these bizarre inventions is the nonsensical nature of the issues they claim to solve. Often minor inconveniences are framed as an affront to the very fabric of human existence, with bold statements being made to try and justify you parting with your hard-earned cashola. Are you cold while watching TV? Put this dressing gown on backwards. Bam. Enjoy your sleeved blanket. Or slank it if you will. Are you 
frustrated with wasting countless seconds whilst chopping up small amounts of aromatics? Take this tiny spring-loaded razor-filled cylinder and slam your hand onto the top of it then. Boom, here's your slam chop. Are you bored of your neatly linearly chopped courgettes? Perhaps traditional circular cuts of cucumber have become cumbersome in your hectic life. Slowly feed your veg of choice into this contraption and enjoy a continuous single cut instead. Never prepare food without your spiralizer again. It feels like some of these products are a practical joke that got out of hand, like someone was trying to see just how far marketing and sales would play along with a clearly pointless product. However, there is one invention, air quotes heavily implied, that is so egregious that it was actually universally hated. This was the introduction of pre-peeled plastic wrapped bananas. That's right, in 2012 someone had the audacity of challenging mother nature and decided it was a worthy endeavour to create a whole manufacturing process of acquiring bananas, removing the tried and tested protection of its skin to then place on a foam tray while surrounded it, surrounding it in plastic wrap. A twofer in terms of environmental unfriendliness and providing a solution to a problem no one ever raised. What's more is that the supermarket behind the banana-ish gaff was Biller, a German-owned company that brands itself as a common-sense supermarket. Fortunately, the product did terribly, and Biller was forced to remove the product from its shelves, stating that it was a one-off mistake that would never happen again. This leaves me feeling that the world would be a much better place if we spent a little more time asking whether we should do something, before answering whether we can do something. Gentlemen, your rebuttals. Stuff well, like that annoys me in supermarkets, yeah. where it's like a boiled egg in plastic pots. Like, it's a fucking egg, mate. <laughs> yeah, you, sometimes you get two in a plastic well, pot. Well, yeah, but like, and then, well, they're just saying that. Speaking of ludicrous inventions, I, I, while watching QBC the other week, uh, there was an egg boiler, which was a thing you broke an egg into, boiled in water, and then you had a boiled egg. I'm like, I don't know if you know this, but like, eggs are self-contained. Like, they have a shell, boil it in the shell, take the shell off, egg! I won't won't have a bad word said against QVC. I fucking love that channel. Um, Again, that's my Friday night. I'm I'm going to go and meet my dad, have a game of snooker, and then I'm back for QVC later on. I'll tell you what, I could lose hours hours watching Ruth Langsford selling blouses for fucking old middle-aged women with HRT patch holders in them. Only £47 (laughs) in a range of colours. So have you ever bought anything off QVC? Me? Have a fuck. (laughs) I'll just watch it. What about you, Joe? It's great banking material. (laughs) Joe, have you? Um, I've seen stuff on there and then looked it up online and bought it cheaper elsewhere. (laughs) Uh, A set of makeup brushes uh, and a thing to clean makeup brushes. Not for me, my wife. There's one that's yeah, on yeah. the, the fucking, what's it, Velvetizer, which is basically made of chocolate. It's oh. A ke- it's a kettle and a fucking mug, mate. Yeah. With a fucking spoon. It's the, is that the one that's got the, the, the blade at the bottom? Yeah. It stirs it. So. Yeah. Because yeah. that's safety first. I mean, I'm not going to get like, my tongue down the bottom of a cup, but even so, how would you wash that? It's got batteries in it. It's, yeah, it's not dishwasher safe. I, fucking, I, I just love sitting there shouting at the TV, these, these shit inventions they've got. <laughs> like they have stuff like, oh, this will get this will get ink out of fucking what's it off off of the tablecloth, right? Only fucking ink. Can't get anything else off. Fucking shit. And then well, fucking who? They always have an Uber, right? And he's picking up like fucking little ball bearings or something like that. Who, who has ball bearings on the fucking floor? <laughs> what the fuck do you need one of them for? I like the stuff where they do stuff with mops and they've got like that bit of floor and it's got like tile and lino and stuff and they just like smash meatballs into it and weird <laughs> shit. And they're like, you wouldn't, you'd, you'd sweep that up before you mopped, wouldn't you? You wouldn't, like, it, it, they're impractical. Yeah. Uh, I love it. 
I like the stuff like the craft shop bit is the best because it's like a slightly dour middle-aged lady going, you can make these cards and give them to your friends. And I'm like, it's 56, no one's doing 50, that. 56 quid for the starter set. What? I could go down the card factory and get a load of them for 50p a throw, mate. Yeah. I don't know enough people to justify that amount of money. They look nice, but it's a, it's a card. What do you do with it? You open it up, you put it on the mantelpiece, and a day later it goes in the recycling. Yeah, and how long do you keep a card out on display? I think mm. the older you get, the less because of the shame <laughs> what? of aging. <laughs> like when you're seven, it's like, yeah, birthdays are great, aren't they? 40, I didn't even put them up. <laughs> Open it, went cheers, straight in the bin. That halt, yeah. Right. Take cash out, the voucher, and that's it. <laughs> no one I know gives me cash. Uh, I made you that card a, using that kit. Just a Londis voucher, yeah. You were saying about that bloke who said, like, everything that's been invented has been invented for whatever it was, whatever bollocks he said. Well, one of my favourites is Thomas Edison, who invented the phone or whatever. He said <laughs> he said he could he could see a time when every town would have a phone in it. I mean, every <laughs> yeah. fucking pocket's got a phone in it now. I think there's a lot of people who've said stuff like I think Bill Gates said something like he couldn't realistically see any household needing more than about two megabytes of storage or something like that. Yeah, uh, but then on the opposite end of it as well, there was, I think, in like 92, 93, maybe, there was a guy that was like, the internet is a passing fad. And yeah. uh, it will never catch on. And I'm like, literally everything exists on the internet now. Like, day-to-day -day yeah. interactions is a... I, mean, I, I would love to see stuff that's like people who put all their heart and soul into these inventions like like a like a dragon's den style thing yeah um, to... but it, it never gets off the ground I'd, I'd love to see the moment that like what you know when they invent something that there's like well you see their soul actually crushed when they realize it's a pile of shit <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why i used to like dragon's den in the early days but before it got like it was yeah but people coming in oh it was the best one it was like an old guy from the east end of london and he came in and he was like my wife died and before she died i met of this and it was you know those um clothes dryers like the the four-sided ones it was one of them stuck into a christmas tree rotation motor like a, <laughs> and that was it she finally loved it did julie yeah and he went this already exists and he went all right bye and just walked up i was like what's <laughs> happening oh, here? it was i was like i he didn't try and haggle he didn't try and fight his corner he just went oh it already exists all right, fuck it. I didn't do any research. But yeah, that seems like an integral amount of research you should be doing before going on Dragon's Den. But then again, it? having watched The Apprentice, like people just don't do research into stuff. Like it, it, it's it's someone's like, oh, I want to open up a dessert parlor. I don't know if you know that, but every high street has a place that does fucking waffles and and crepes now. Like I don't know who goes in them because they're never busy when I walk past them. To be fair, that guy's invention is, is about seven pounds of R and D. It's not like he sunk his life into it. Oh no, he said I. I basically stuck a rotisserie, uh, a, no, rotisserie, a rotisserie, rotisserie chicken, a rotisserie chicken up my ass. I wrote a chicken, I wrote ah, a rotary dryer into this thing we had that rotated the fiber optic Christmas tree. I love and that. I, and I like that is in, invention. What is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. His missus was like, I can't put it outside because it's raining. And he's like, I've got you solved there, Julie. Don't you worry. Pow! There's your Mother's Day gift. Yeah. <laughs> How fast was it spinning? Was it like flicking Very slowly. Water? <laughs> It offers no benefit to drying at all. Not I love that. to like whip them out at an angle. <laughs> like you're gonna get some flannel hitting you at 70 miles an hour. I, I just imagine fagging mouth, just like whacking it in, seeing it spin, going, "Oh, this is it. Yeah, this this is the one. This is going to Dragon's Den." I need to phone then. Dragon's Den about this. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, BBC. Get me the well, dragons, the fact, please. The fact they got him on, and he was just like, "All right, sorry, sorry to waste your time." <laughs>
He's, yeah, uh, the way that you portrayed him, he sounded like a perfectly nice guy. He was just a lovely old old cockney gentleman. He wasn't like dressed like a pearly queen and out like that. He was yeah. he was just a guy. Yeah. But I like I how mean, rotating washing is actually more useful than the rotating Christmas tree. It's made something less. It's made something more useful. Yeah, but it already exists on QVC. Uh, or JML or whatever it is. Oh, JML, that's the other one, isn't it? JML, oh. you can buy in like Poundland and stuff, though. So that's like a low brand. QBC is quite top market. You've got like the but shopping channel. Every, everyone's got a JML product in their house. Um, I don't think I do. Oh, I've, do. No, of course I do. I've got a fucking spiralizer in there. Oh, God, yeah. She bought it, used it once, and then it's been sat at the back of the cupboard forever. Exactly. Yeah. Fucking pointless. Oh, we can cook. We can we can spiralize courgettes, and it's just like spaghetti. Is it fuck like spaghetti? It's there's like courgette. No, there's no other time you'll eat courgette. No, courgette is the shittest vegetable. It's not. A, it's not a cucumber. Respectfully right? disagree. Yeah. All right. Sweet potato getting fucking bin and butternut squash as well. That's a menace of a vegetable, isn't it? Wait, wait, wait. Can we just establish? Do you like any vegetable, Joe? I like vegetables. I, I'm I quite like an aubergine on occasion. Once you've like salted it to draw all the moisture out and like pan roasted it, that's nice. Yes. Carrots are good. Done everything to make sure it doesn't taste like aubergine. Aubergine doesn't really have a taste, does it? It's well, no, there's cucumber or the courgette. Cucumber is the weakest, like limpest taste. But anything you put it in, everything else then tastes like it. Yeah, the, it's, the, it's, it's the banana of the vegetable world. What the fuck's celery all about? Ah, oh, mate, someone <laughs> said, what if we got water and put string in it? Yeah. <laughs> what if you wanted to chew on some water? Yeah. <laughs> Going back to the, um, the packaging of uh, fruit and veg, I was in Audi the other day and I thought, why have we universally decided that cauliflowers are wrapped as how they are? It's like a half bag around the bottom of it. It's not fully covered. It's not sealed. It just falls out of it. But why waste the plastic? Why not just have them loose? It's really, it's bugged me. It's really bugged me. A lot of places are doing like loose stuff that you put in the paper bags now. I mean, I get all my stuff off the market. But yeah, it's it's that thing of like an apple in fucking cellophane. It's an apple. Have it loose. You can just pick it up. If you're buying, who's buying one apple at a time anyway? Because it's never in the meal deal, is it? No. It's a sandwich, crisps, and a chocolate bar. That's your meal deal. No fruit in there, is there? (laughs) I don't know. Can we finish this? Yeah. Right. So do you want the scores? Well, you're not that. Well, you're not that arsed anymore. <laughs> I looked up Alan Foster, and the first thing that comes up is Alan Foster, National Crime Agency. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the JML Shagatron Three Thousand. It, it doesn't say it's consensual. <laughs> Just what? So it's, it's, a, it's a sentient machine, or someone can set it on you like an enemy. It's, it's got a. It's got a setting for to like what's its surprise. <laughs> Right, so Joe's flat parachute man story. I've given that eight Alan Fosters. All right. Uh, Chris's fucking downer of a story about Alan Turing killing himself. I've given that five. All right. And even though he did call me a liar earlier on, I've given Chucky, because of QVC, nine Alan oh, Fosters. Oh, oh, yeah. I was robbed. <laughs> Although we do like a flat Swiss man. We do, we do like QVC just that bit more. Yeah, to be fair. You can follow us on Twitter at Weird Thing Pod. Come and say hello. You can also follow Randall Parker at Randall Parker One. Check out Randall Parker's Film Club, which is an amazing podcast. Thanks for joining us, Randall. It's been brilliant. It's been a fucking pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Weird thing about that.
I don't have an invention idea. 